When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, Pitt stumbled and they are now 6-2 and two and no longer ranked. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Pitt football game primarily. 38-34, to Miami defeated Pitt at Heinz Field. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, my, my takeaways, uh, what does it mean moving forward, what the Panthers have to do moving forward, things like that. I'll start with this. Pitt blew a huge opportunity. And that's not to say that this is same old Pitt. Uh, this was not choking the game away, although there were obviously some issues. This was not playing down to a horrible opponent like the Western Michigan game, or I should say a much lesser opponent. This is a pretty good Miami football team coming off sort of an inspiring win that has a lot of talent. For all the problems that they have, they have a lot of talent, and that's where Pitt tends to get in trouble. It's when they play teams that have a ton of talent. Uh, That's In some ways, that makes the Clemson win even more remarkable that Pitt was able to beat Clemson with all of the talent that they have at that roster. But Miami is a a program, a team that Pitt seems to always struggle with because uh, they they just have a lot of talent in problem areas for the Panthers. Uh, I will say that I picked Miami in this game. I've picked every game correctly except the Western Michigan game so far this season. Uh, on Cardiac Hill, if you're a reader, you see Don't don't Bet the Farm, uh, where every week everyone on the staff does their picks. Uh, I picked Miami, and uh, I was one of just two of the entire staff who picked Miami in this game. If you listen to the podcast last week, I said I think Miami has a, a good chance to win this game. So this does not shock me. Uh, this was not, oh, how could Pitt possibly lose to Miami? I thought this was going to happen. And before last, before this past weekend, in my mind, I thought, I think Pitt's going to lose to Miami, and then I think Pitt is going to go and win probably the rest of their games in the regular season. And I still think that that's fairly likely, which is kind of wild, but I still think that that's fairly likely. Again, Pitt just always seems to have trouble with Miami. Just like Pitt does better against certain teams than you would expect, they do worse against certain teams than you would expect. And and coaches, obviously things changed with North Carolina when Larry Fedora left. But Pitt could never beat North Carolina under Larry Fedora. Pitt always seems to beat Georgia Tech. 
Pitt really struggles with Miami. I mean, it it's there are just certain teams that seem to be stumbling blocks. Pitt has done really well against Syracuse. And w- again, with, with the Hurricanes, this has just been a consistent issue. I saw it coming. I think coming off a big win, I mentioned that hangover. And I think it was there because in that first half, the Pitt football team just did not seem like themselves. They didn't seem like the team that beat Clemson the week before. And eventually they started figuring things out, but it took a while. And yeah, overall, I just think that this was, this doesn't say that the program is doomed, doesn't say that anyone should be fired, but it does say that this team is not a playoff team. And the quarterback isn't a Heisman winning quarterback. And the team is not guaranteed to win the ACC Coastal and certainly not guaranteed to win the ACC. Uh, no longer can you say that Pitt is the best team in the ACC, and you can't definitively say that they're the best team in the Coastal. And that is where things stand right now, in my opinion. Uh, again, I, I picked Miami. I thought this was possible, uh, so it doesn't shock me. It's not, oh, how could you possibly lose to Miami? However... It's still frustrating if you're a Pitt fan. That, that's still a game that you should have won. It's not a massive indictment of the program, burn it all down sort of a situation that they didn't win. Because, again, Miami's a good football team. I predicted the win. A handful of people predicted the win. You know, it was it was not completely out of the blue, especially if you follow Pitt, where you know that yeah, just because they're favored by, I think it was nine and a half or 10 points does not mean they're going to go out and win this game. Uh, that that was not a horrible loss. It's just that when Pitt is at the level that they had gotten to, which is ranked 17th in the nation, which is being legitimately floated as having a Heisman quarterback, as maybe being a playoff team, all of those things, there's no room for error. Every single game becomes a must win. I mean, that's what it's like for the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Clemsons in years past and the Ohio States of the world, is that every single week is a must win. You have to win that game where your season's over and you get maybe one mulligan now at the 14 playoff, and that's it. Uh, so that that's that's off the table now for the Panthers. But I still think they can achieve all the goals, and they still hold their destiny in their own hands. Uh, the game specifically, we have to talk about the defense. The defense was bad. Now, they did have a couple big plays down the stretch. They were able to stop Miami a couple times late there in the game. They had a safety that should have been a safety. And yes, the refing was bad. I'm not going to lie, not going to sugarcoat. The refing was bad. And that's a problem. And it's not the only problem, and it's not a scapegoat, and it's not me saying, oh, if that that's the reason that this happened. No, there were other reasons, as I was just talking about the defense, and I'll continue talking about the defense. The refing was a problem, and this has been a problem for the Panthers in the past, and I don't know what it's going to take. I just saw that Miami got penalized for using too many headsets. This isn't strictly with refing, but just officiating in general. They had too many headsets, uh, which was against the ACC rules. The punishment is just that next week they don't get to have as many headsets as usual. That doesn't really change anything when it comes to Pitt, but you know there have been problems. And uh, so, so the refing certainly was a problem. 
not calling that a safety again. It it shouldn't have come down to that. Pitt should have won anyway. But to me, it's just just inexcusable that that play. And if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen the play ten different times. I just don't know how that's not a safety. I don't know how you look at that and say that's not a safety. Whether it's the spirit of the law or how it's written, I don't know. But because of with the rule of forward progress, essentially wherever the running back gets to and then they're pushed back, it's wherever as far down the field as they got to. There are two exceptions. One is, well, I should say there's one big exception, which is if the player makes a football move, which I think 100% he did. I think he was trying to regain the run, break out of the tackle, and go forward. Once that happens, I think that negates forward progress. I don't think that's the same as when a guy runs forward, he gets... uh, tackled and pushed back and that's it and they just bring him down or he's just trying his best to just stay standing it's not a football move what I saw him do in the end zone was a football move uh on top even if that wasn't the case I still don't think even with forward progress this is slightly iffy but I don't think that he broke the plane and got out of the end zone so whichever way you look at it whether it's okay I'm counting say yeah forward progress was there but it doesn't seem like he made it out of the end zone and therefore it should be a safety or there wasn't forward progress. So it doesn't matter how far he got or if he ever got out of the end zone, he went backwards and then made a football move to try to get out of it. And that's his, and then they tackle him in the end zone. That's a safety. Either way, it should be a safety. And again, I don't know, maybe you could make a case that by the letter of the law with forward progress, that that should be considered not a safety, down at the one-inch line. To me, that's absurd. I I don't really care what the letter of the law is if you're telling me that that play, if you can watch that play and say that's not a safety. A guy who's tackled multiple yards into his own end zone, I just don't know how that's not a safety. You have to go out of your way to say that isn't a safety. And And to me, that's just destroying uh I don't know if confidence is the right word but or the spirit of the law I don't know what it is but I just don't know how you can say that that shouldn't be a safety how anyone would look at the game and look at where he got tackled where he got to in the run where he got tackled and say no that shouldn't be a safety so so I know that's a bit of a tangent I know it's a bit of a rant and officiating's not the only problem And nothing's guaranteed because if, even if it is a safety, you're still down and you would need a field goal to go up. And yes, you get the ball back, but who knows? And even if then you do go up, then Miami could could score again. So nothing's guaranteed. But I do know that Pitt would have had a much better chance to win if that had been called a safety. And again, I just don't know how you can look at that play if, if you are trying to call a spade a spade in the game of football, how you can say, yes, it was either called, it was both called correctly and the rule was, the the rule is right. The rule is just. I don't know how anyone can justify that after watching that play. You either say it was not called correctly and it should have been a safety, or you say, okay, technically by the letter of the law, it's not a safety, but that should be, and we should change the rule 
because there's no way that a play like that shouldn't be called a safety. You have to admit one of those two things. Otherwise, I just don't know what you're looking at or where you're coming from. You have to be able to look at that and either say that it should have been a safety, the call was wrong, and I'm not 100% sold on that. I'm not 100% guaranteed. What I am 100% on is that whether or not it's the rule or not, that should be a safety. That the rule, If the rule, by definition, says that that play was not a safety, then the rule needs to be changed. That is my, my stance, and I think everyone needs to have that stance. Even if you believe that that play, that he did break the plane and forward progress and all that, you have to be able to look at it and say, then there's a flaw in the forward progress rule. That play should have been a safety, and, and you have to amend it going forward. But again, that's, that's a tangent. I just don't know how you can look at that and say that that it either wasn't a safety or that it shouldn't constitute a safety. That's it. Uh, but still, ultimately, Pitt should have won that game. The defense should not have allowed Miami to run all over them. 21 points in the first quarter. 10 points in the second quarter. They actually did a good job in the second half, specifically the fourth quarter. They didn't allow a single Miami point in the fourth quarter. Of course, the Hurricanes, for a lot of it, didn't have to try. They were trying to run down the clock. But still, they didn't allow any points in the fourth, and they only allowed a touchdown in the third quarter. But when you shoot yourself in the foot and you dig yourself into this massive hole and you're trailing 21-10 to at the end of the first, I don't know what, what more you're your offense can do to try to get you into the game. They ended up scoring 34 points, but again, you give up 21 in the first quarter, just unacceptable for a defense. And it's a real problem. We had talked about it early. Obviously the Western Michigan game was the fault of the defense. It was a shootout that should not have been a shootout. They should not have allowed Western Michigan uh, to score as many points as they did. They allowed Western Michigan to score 44 points at Heinz field and Miami to score 38. That's a huge problem, and people thought that the problem was over, that it was fixed, but you have to wonder if it's just maybe they didn't play a good offense or certainly a good quarterback really since. Uh, They did against Tennessee, and Tennessee made some mistakes, and they still dropped 34 points. Western Michigan, they scored 44. Then things seemed to be okay for Georgia Tech and for Virginia Tech and for Clemson, but then again Miami pretty good quarterback uh, in uh, in Tyler Van Dyke. He had 32 completions, 428 yards, three touchdowns. When they play a good offense with a good quarterback, this defense has a lot of trouble. And that could very well be a problem moving forward. And so, you know, that that's a big concern. You wonder what are the takeaways from this game besides the sky is falling? That's a big concern. Can this defense stop a team with a good quarterback and I don't know the answer. I don't know if they can. And you're going to need to be able to at a certain point if you if you want to win the ACC, you can't just hope that the other team has a bad offense. You can get some wins with that, but you can't just hope that the other team is going to be flailing on offense. Um an- another issue on offense, speaking of that side of the ball. The offense just didn't run the ball. They did not establish a run game. And Kenny Pickett, for as great as he is and and how much kudos he gets for this season, and I still think he should be one of the top quarterbacks taken in the draft. I still think he should be on the table to be a Heisman finalist. But 
at the end of the day, he's not Tom Brady. He's you can't force him to do everything. You can't force him to win these games in a shootout. He can go out there and he can score a lot of points, but not when the defense just allows you know touchdown after touchdown, and they've got to go out there. You've got to be able to allow the running game to build. You've got to be able to let them get off the field and, and get a breather. And none of that happened. They, he just had to throw the ball so often in this game against Miami. 55 attempts. And again, credit to him, 519 yards, three touchdowns. But also when that happens, number one, you force mistakes, and he did have two interceptions. One of them was somewhat backbreaking. And then also, again, you can't establish the run game, and so that threat isn't there. Israel Abanacanda couldn't get in, you know, into much of a rhythm. He couldn't do much. Vincent Davis couldn't do much. Rodney Hammond couldn't do too much. So the fact that there, the games where Pitt has a legitimate good run game, where they run it more than they pass it, they win those games. The games where Pitt has to pass the ball all day, they're probably not going to win those games. Even though their passing game is better than their run game, you have to have somewhat of a balance. And they didn't. And when that's the case, when there's not a run game to fear, it's a lot easier to stop this Pitt passing offense. And that's what Miami was able to, not stop them, but they were able to force mistakes. And it couldn't be the best offense, couldn't be the best passing offense because the run offense was not there. And so what does that mean? It means that, one, moving forward, you have to get the run offense, the running game more involved early on and establish that. And it also means that Kenny Pickett is out of the running for a Heisman, uh, which, you know, for him, really unfortunate. He was having such a great season. He's still having such a great season. Ultimately, he still had a pretty good, in fact, not even pretty good. He had a very good game. It just wasn't remarkable. He did make two mistakes. And that's completely normal. And 99% of the country uh, country's quarterbacks are going to make that mistake. It's just, if you're going to win the Heisman, you can't really make that mistake. I still think he could be a Heisman finalist, by the way. I think that's in the cards on the table. But in terms of winning it, it was always a long shot. Uh, that seems to be done. However... Uh, I, I do think he could be a Heisman finalist because he still had a really good game and he still had an excellent season, but you just can't, again, this, I, I know I mentioned the offense. This is about the defense. You can't have a defense so bad, so porous that when your offense makes two mistakes, that's it. You have no hope of winning the game. You have to have a better defense than that to where your offense can make a mistake or two and you can still win the game that way. You can't rely on the offense to play a perfect game week in and week out. It's not going to work. And that's what you know they, they essentially did on Saturday against Miami. They made the offense have a perfect game or they were going to lose. And the offense didn't have a perfect game. They played well. It was a good game. But they didn't have a perfect game. And the defense put them in that position. So that has to be better moving forward. So we will take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few moments to talk about uh, what this means, uh, what uh, you know, pit schedule moving forward, what they're going to need to do, the rankings, all that good stuff. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a second right here on Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we are back here on Unscripted. So, what does it mean for the Panthers moving forward? Well, again, I'm not a hot take artist. I'm not going to say that it's the end of the world. I'm not going to say that Pitt is out of the ACC race. I'm not going to say that Pitt won't win the ACC Coastal. I'm not going to say they need to fire anyone or they're going to lose out. What I will say is that this removes any cushion that the Panthers had. Going into this past weekend, Pitt had a two-game lead over everyone. And that's why people were so in the Coastal. That's why people were so excited about uh, the Panthers winning the Coastal and making it to the ACC Championship. Is they looked at the schedule and they said, oh, we've got a two-game lead. And these teams, no one is unbeatable. No one's as scary as Clemson. And so, yeah, there's there's a good chance. Maybe we'll lose one game, but we're probably not going to lose two. And that, that should be fine. Well, you look at things now, and okay, Pitt lost the one game. That was the cushion. The cushion was always there that Pitt could lose one game down the stretch and be okay. And that's still the case. They lost the one game. However, that cushion is now gone. You really can't afford to lose any more of your games. There's certainly one game that's on the calendar that I think now is going to be uh, the Coastal Champ. And... (laughs) To be fair, I did say this once before this year. I said going into the Virginia Tech game, whoever wins that game is going to win the Coastal. Well, then the next week, Syracuse ended up losing anyway. Now, who knows if that would have happened had they beaten Pitt. But, okay, that uh, Virginia Tech, is they're not going to win the Coastal. They've lost uh, two games in the Coastal now, and they don't have the tiebreaker over Pitt. So they're not going to win the Coastal. However, uh, Miami could win the Coastal, and Virginia could very well win the Coastal. And that's the game that I'm saying now, I think will predict the Coastal and who's going to go to the ACC championship. It's Pitt versus Virginia on November 20th at Heinz Field. That is the game that I think is going to decide everything. Because if Pitt, certainly if Pitt wins out, then they're good. There are four games left in the season. Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Syracuse. You win those four, you're in, no question about it. You have at least a one-game cushion over everybody. Then you look at the uh, the other scenarios. If Pitt uh, loses to uh, North Carolina or Duke or Syracuse, well, if that were to happen, but you win the rest of the games then you're in sort of an uncanny valley where it depends what happens in the other games. That would put Pitt at two losses, but they'd have a tiebreaker over Virginia, uh, who would have three losses, so that's fine. But then you've got to be concerned about Miami because you'd have two losses, Miami would have two losses, but Miami has the tiebreaker over Pitt. So if you lose one more game that's not Virginia you're still not guaranteed to win the Coastal. You have to hope that Georgia Tech or Florida State or Virginia Tech or Duke beats Miami, which is very possible, but not guaranteed. 
So you no longer control your own destiny if you lose one more game. The only way to control your own destiny is to buy, is to win out. There is no other team in the Coastal with just one loss in the ACC. Pitt only has one loss in the ACC. All they have to do is win the final four games of the regular season. That's it. They've won the Coastal. They control their destiny. If they lose one of those games, the non-Virginia games, again, that's uh, Duke, North Carolina, or Syracuse, they, they have to hope that Miami loses a game down the stretch to either Georgia Tech or Florida State or Virginia Tech or Duke. Again, it could happen, but you don't control your destiny. You have to just hope that Miami loses a game. And then there's the doomsday scenario, which is you beat Duke, you beat North Carolina, closing out the season, you beat Syracuse, but in between, on November 20th, you lose to Virginia. You'd have two losses, Virginia would have two losses, and Virginia, of course, would have the tiebreaker because they beat Pitt. And the only other chance, if that happens, the only way Pitt wins the Coastal is if Virginia Tech beats Virginia in the last game of the season. Again, it's possible, but you don't control your own destiny. If you lose to Virginia, your only hope, because Virginia only has one more ACC, cha- uh, ACC game left in the regular season. They've, they've gotten them all out of the way. They've played them all. Virginia's upcoming schedule, they've got Notre Dame, and or they've got a bye week this week, then they've got Notre Dame. So all they have left is Pitt and Virginia Tech. If they beat Pitt, the only stumbling block left in their way is Virginia Tech. And if they beat Virginia Tech and they beat Pitt, Virginia is going to the ACC championship game. So again, just to recap, Pitt controls their own destiny. That is the good news if you're a Pitt fan. The sky isn't falling. They're not doomed. They control their own destiny. There are four games left. If they win all four, boom, they win the Coastal. They're in the ACC championship game and everything is all good. If they lose one of them, then it's going to take something pretty drastic. They don't control their own destiny anymore, and it would take something pretty big happening. If it's to Virginia, it would be something pretty huge because Virginia only has one opportunity to stumble, only one chance to lose another ACC game, which is Virginia Tech. If you lose any of the other games but beat Virginia, it's there's a greater chance because Miami has four chances to stumble and lose another ACC game. But again, it's not in your control anymore. The only way to keep it in your control is to by winning uh, is to win these last four games. I think they can do it against Duke. I think they can do it against North Carolina, though I think that'll be a tough game on a Thursday night. I think they can do it against Syracuse. Virginia is going to be tough. I think that game will decide whoever wins the ACC Coastal. I still think Pitt is probably the favorite. I still think Pitt probably wins it, but any cushion is gone. You don't have the luxury of losing one more game. You have to win these next four, and otherwise you're just going to be watching the TV and biting your nails, and you really don't want that if you're Pitt and you had a two-game lead in this division. One more thing before Panther of the Week, and that's the rankings, the AP rankings. Uh, Pitt is no longer ranked. They're no longer in the top 25. Now, ultimately... I'm not going to get too worked up about, well, Pitt was 26th because under also uh, receiving votes or others receiving votes, Pitt essentially was in 26th place. Um, They were tops among others receiving votes. So Pitt right now, according to the AP voters, is 26th. 
I'm not going to, again, make a huge federal case about, well, they should be 24 or 25, and they're not through 26. Ultimately, it's a couple spots, and if you lose to Miami after losing to Western Michigan, you can't bang your chest and say, hey, we deserve the respect of being ranked, because you don't necessarily deserve it after you lose a game like that. However, looking at the other teams that are ranked, I honestly can't say that there are multiple teams who deserve it more than Pitt that got in. Because you look at the rankings, how they are right now, and some of these teams, flat out, in my opinion, should not be ranked. Coastal Carolina, I don't get it. Uh, I mean, maybe, but they're number 21. Their most impressive win is maybe Kansas, I guess, at home. They've lost one game. They play no one remotely tough. I just don't know how Coastal Carolina, unless they're undefeated. I mean, this this time last year, when they were undefeated, they were sitting right about at 21. Right now, they have one loss, and they're there. I don't get that. I don't know how you can play a schedule that easy, lose a game, and be fine. I don't get that. Number 22, Penn State. They've lost three games. The only three-loss team that should that could have a case, in my opinion, to be ranked is Arkansas because the teams they've lost to uh, are some of the best teams in the country. Uh, They're one and three in the conference, but those three losses are to Georgia, the number one team in the country, uh, Auburn, one of the best teams in the country, and Ole Miss, one of the best teams in the country. When your only losses uh, are to number one, number 12, and number 15, that's pretty big. And by the way, they've beaten Texas A&M. That's pretty big. I think Arkansas with three losses could have a case to be ranked. Penn State, no. If you only lost to Ohio State and Iowa, cool. Yeah, you deserve to be ranked. Those are two quality losses, even though Iowa doesn't look that good anymore. But losing to Illinois and the way that they lost to Illinois, where Penn State couldn't get two yards to save their lives, that it took nine overtimes... They couldn't beat Illinois in nine overtimes, nine times. Yeah, I don't I don't get how you can lose three games. One of them is to Illinois at home in nine OTs and deserve to be ranked. I just don't get that. Uh, SMU, uh, I'm not going to make a federal case about it. They've got to win over TCU, although TCU this year is bad, just flat-out bad, so that's not much of a quality win. Uh, the only... Case uh, The case you can make for SMU is that if not for a freak play at the end of the game this past weekend against Houston, uh, that they'd be undefeated and definitely ranked. That is the best argument, I think, is that if it's one play that takes them from being ranked 16th to not ranked at all, then maybe they should be ranked. Okay, that's not the end of the world. Louisiana, same thing as Coastal Carolina. You haven't beaten anyone impressive. The teams you play are not very good. So I just don't know why Louisiana, with one loss, deserves to be ranked. And then Fresno State, with two losses, I really don't get. Uh, I mean, yes, they they played a somewhat close game with Oregon early on in the season, and they've got a win over UCLA, and the Bruins are decent. But you've got two losses, and again, your best win is, I don't know, UCLA, San Diego State. They're fine, but they're not great. 
So I don't know how Fresno State could make a case that they deserve to be ranked. So again, I'm not saying that Pitt, quote-unquote, deserves to be ranked. But I am saying that there were a few teams above them that don't deserve to be ranked. I think Pitt should be in there. I think NC State should be in there. They've only lost two games. One was by a single point at Miami. Uh, and the other was the Mississippi State, who's a really good football team, uh, who just took down Kentucky um, and who beat Texas A&M. I, I think that NC State should be ranked. I think I, I even think NC State should probably be ranked above Pitt. But I think both of those teams should be ranked. Uh, I just don't understand the case uh, for some of these programs that just haven't beaten anyone or who have three losses. I, I just don't see it. At the end of the day, it's not the end of the world, but I think that some of those teams between 21 and 25 don't have much of a case to be ranked. But ultimately, if Pitt wins out, it's not going to matter. They're going to be ranked. If Pitt wins this week, uh, there's a decent chance they'll be ranked because from 26, all you have to do is if someone somewhere between you know 18 or below loses, which there's a fair shot that that's going to happen. If someone ranked 18 or below loses and you win your game, you probably move up, unless someone who's just below you, like uh, you know a, a, an NC State or a Wisconsin or a Mississippi State or an Arkansas, if they have a huge win, then maybe they could leapfrog you, uh, but. Yeah, for the most part, one or two of those teams ranked 20 or below, there's a good chance that they're going to lose. So just win your games. You'll be fine. You'll be ranked. I think they probably should be now, but ultimately it's not a huge deal that I'm going to make a huge case over, even though I know that's kind of what I just did because that is the industry of podcasts. Uh, before we go, Panther of the Week, no one from the football team this week. Meanwhile, Pitt. I said this a few weeks ago, it's still a volleyball school. Pitt Volleyball right now, number four in the nation. Dan Fisher just uh, passed the mark of seven 20-win seasons. Seven 20-win seasons is remarkable. This was a program that was nothing. And he took over, and it took a little while, and they have become a powerhouse in volleyball. Really incredible what he's done. Uh, Kayla Lund, Chinazi Ende, uh, Kylie Levers, Ashley Browski, Serena Gray, so many good players, great coaching, and just a really great vibe with this team, a team you can really get behind, uh, a team you can really root for and feel proud of. So Pitt Volleyball, 100%, still ranked number four in the country. They get Panther of the Week because they continue to crush it. Pitt is a volleyball school. So that will do it for this episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. Again, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Cardiac Hill and subscribe. The uh, episodes will be sent to your phone as soon as they are available. You can also find them on CardiacHill.com where they'll be posted every Tuesday morning. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. And yeah, we'll be back next week with a new episode of Unscripted. Until then, again, I'm Corey Cohen signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.